You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 53. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, a.k.a. Dan is DTM on Twitter, and I am joined over Discord by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak, and the Nintendo aficionado, Roro. Guys, we have made it to one of the biggest freaking news stories I've ever seen in my entire life. Real quick, we're switching our names this week. I'm the Nintendo aficionado. He is the pride of PlayStation. We want to be very clear on that this week. <laughs> okay. Roro, did you approve? I do. Okay. All right. There we go. Uh, we are, Guys, we are still giving away T-shirts to anyone who participates in the live YouTube chat for our episode 50 celebration. So drop a comment in there while we are recording live to get a free T-shirt. Uh, thank you to those people that are watching us live and participating in the chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. Just search Podcast PXN and you will find us on there. The topic of the show this week, as we alluded to, is the news that ZeniMax Media, which includes Bethesda and its studios, has been bought by Microsoft to join Xbox Game Studios. But first, the show always starts starts, starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump right in. The first item on the PXN News of the Week is, Roro, we added this late, so I forgot to tell you this, but we are starting PS5 pre-orders and Xbox Series X and S pre-orders have officially started and ended uh, as quickly as they <laughs> like started. That. Yeah. That. <laughs> like that, yeah. So... Uh, I want to preface this with saying uh, I got three PlayStation 5s and three Xbox Series Xs, and I don't even know what to do with myself at this point. It was it was ridiculous getting those. But so it so so Daniel has majority of the stock. Okay, that's that's good to that's know. yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm understanding. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, the PS5 pre-orders. Roro, you and I talked about this last week while we were literally in the middle of the pre-order pandemic. I was freaking out. Uh, I, I think I might have gotten an ulcer from last. No, I'm not really, but I was just freaking out like crazy. I uh, think on Tuesday you almost got an ulcer. Yeah, Tuesday almost had the same thing happen. It literally the Xbox Series X pre-orders went live, and I could not get one for the first at least. 10 to 15 minutes i was struggling like walmart was not working uh i couldn't add, like check out with it it let me add it but i couldn't check out target i let it let me add it to my cart i couldn't check out at all uh so yeah it was a mess but finally i got my first one i got was actually through microsoft uh microsoft store and actually it was pretty seamless that was the that was the most seamless one that i had personally uh it just took a long time for the page to like load uh from the traffic i guess but uh roro i don't think you uh, attempted to get a console but i know i know you've seen the conversations yeah. about this and it definitely i don't think either approach was very uh easy <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think either obviously sony's was more of a cluster than microsoft because of how sudden their drop was like as soon as the reveal was over walmart decided to push a button and then some other people followed suit as well 
But even with Microsoft telling you a date, time, and everything, and where to check, it didn't help much because, as you guys were saying, it was it was uh, just as fast as PlayStation with running out of stock for people and people it disappearing from people's carts and all that stuff. I I don't know. If, I mean, it's definitely better to get people prepared, but neither process worked. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, what was your experience? Um, so I obviously had an issue with last week's episode that I couldn't be here for. So that made it much more fun to get a text while I was at work saying, hey, they just went out for pre-order for my friend <laughs> Emily. The Best Buy site crashing, the Target site crashing, Amazon literally out of stock in, I think, 45 seconds. Um, so there was a lot of panic Thursday night. Um, Daniel, being my lord and savior on Friday, or yeah, Friday, texted me, said he actually got uh, a disc version. So if I wanted it, I could have it. So appreciate that, Daniel. Yeah. Um, and then texted me, I think it was actually later that Friday, about Target um, reopening and having some. So I was able to get a Target one as well. Um, so very happy about that. But I, I don't fully put this on PlayStation or Xbox. This is really, one, it's on the retailers. Like, yeah. damn Walmart <laughs> for this. Because they, they're the ones that started it. And then every other site is like, well, we can't be the last ones up type thing. So they all just fell like dominoes. But I, I mean, I, I thought in the end, it's really our fault as gamers wanting these systems. Mm-hmm. This was this was going to happen no matter what yeah. in the end. Maybe not to the degree of, hey, 45 to 90 seconds, they're all gone. But still, it was going to happen. Um, and I did actually get a, I was texting with Daniel, I got a Series X as well. I know I said I was going with the Series S, but... X X seemed to me to be the safer route in the end. Yeah. Um, not that I was totally like comparing the two, but it's it was known statistic that basically it was like a 0.1% of Sony digital PS5 sold comparison to the disc version. Yeah. Um, and that's just due to limited stock, which makes sense in right now going into pre-orders mm-hmm. because the people that are going to pre-order your hardcore games are going to spend that money. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm happy that I have both now. I'm excited to play them come this fall. Uh, I ordered a crap ton of stuff with PlayStation, though. And so that made me more broke. But I did not order anything actually for Xbox because what's the point if you have Game Pass? Yeah. There really is no reason to. So yeah, I am very curious how that's going to like play out in the long run because, I don't know, it just didn't incentivize me to purchase any thing else which i feel like playstation did in that sense yeah and all your xbox one accessories and stuff work with series x so there's not you don't necessarily have to get extra controllers or whatever because you already have some so yeah i just like the new feel like yeah uh, there's like it sounds so kitty but like there's nothing better than opening a new console and like literally having all the new stuff and playing around with all that crap yeah i agree uh, we do have a comment, guys, from Wax Zin, which I know that's a play on words. His name's Zach Wynn. Don't lie to the people, Zach. Uh, he says, Daniel, you should do an Xbox and PS5 giveaway. I am yes. not made of money, so I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> so, uh, and actually, my three Xboxes are already spoken for one for me, and two of them are for my friend and his brother uh, as well. So, I'm selling them to them at the same market value, obviously. 
uh and my ps5s actually i have an extra because i think i'm giving one to you sean and for your friend you're gonna pay me for and then i have another spare so i am not giving a 500 hundred dollar console away <laughs> on this podcast that is not going to do anything for me zach so no but i do have this coffee mug ladies and gentlemen that Ooh. my co-workers were saying oh, we don't care about a T-shirt. You should do a coffee mug, and then you'll bring more people on the podcast. All right, so there's a p- coffee mug. Next week, we will raffle this off to people who come to the <laughs> chat. Christ. I have T-shirts. I have a coffee mug, okay? Get off my back. Moving on. Uh, or I will he, say real quick, yeah. I did like, I mean, I haven't checked too much, but I haven't seen besides like the computer graphics card, but it really... Yeah. When it comes to like gamers, there's not really people that are hoarding and trying to sell and stuff like that. It seems to be the majority of people that bought multiple are like, hey, I was able to get this. I need to. My friend can't like I'm, I want to hold it for them. So I like seeing those stories online. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I agree. Moving on, guys, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is out right now on Nintendo Switch. Did you kn- did you guys know that? Yes. I think I did. I think I did. <laughs> so, uh, is this a good port, Sean? Uh, yes. So, obviously, because this is my my leading contender for Game of the Year so far in 2020. Um, it is a good port. Uh, there's only been, like, three instances where it, like, suddenly crashed and just kicked me out, but it loaded right back in, so that was fine. Um, but honestly, it's as comparable as the uh, port to the original. Yeah. Um, we were just talking on the pre-show. Roro, no excuse. You gotta get them. <laughs> um, but I'm loving it. I'm replaying it. That is one of the games I'm playing. So still as beautiful as ever with everything going on. It's sounds weird, but it's tough remembering exactly where I'm supposed to go. Yeah. Because it's so open-ended with stuff. But like I'm starting to catch on and remember things. Uh, but just love the game. I can't believe it came to Switch this year. Um that game was released in March. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I think March 3rd or March 7th. So that is crazy that it's already on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, good news. Roro, are you going to start playing them? Soon? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, as, as Sean said, no excuse anymore. I, <laughs> I, I don't know why I was holding back of just playing it on Game Pass, but I have. But definitely no excuse now because Switch is definitely where I play most of my games. So... Definitely got to pick it up after Sean's Game of the Year endorsement. So definitely got to try it out. Absolutely. I And I agree with that uh, Game of the Year ringing uh, commendation, so to speak. Uh, moving on, uh, Zach says, look at that mug. I'm in. That's right. Come back next week, people. Next week, watch us live. You can en- enter to win. Uh, Rune Factory 5 is coming 2021 to Nintendo Switch. I've never played Rune Factory 1 through 4, if that's a thing. So I don't know how hyped I, w- I am for this, but it kind of looks like a uh, sort of like anime-esque. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the right... I may not be necessarily describing that properly, but do either of you have any familiarity with this? Because I have no idea. I have same. All right. I, neither do I, and it's definitely I it's, anime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's a popular franchise um, that I've heard about. It's yeah. never been something that's ever been like, oh, I want to play this. Well, there we go. There's our blind spot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Rune Factory Five. Uh, 
we'll just move on from that. But it's coming 2021 to Switch. The, these are all things that uh, Nintendo announced at their little indie event, Partner. which, yeah. The Partner yeah. Showcase, which was a lot better than previous ones. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I definitely go into them with low expectations following the the first one that we they had. But this one kind of surprised me. There was a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I like how they do it during, like, the pre-order week. So it's like, hey, guys, yeah. we're still here. Yeah. We don't have a new console coming out. But, yeah. like, if you want to know what we're doing. We're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, another game that came out of that, Sean, you've also been playing Hades, which is out now on the Nintendo Switch from Supergiant Games, which they've made a lot of good games, uh, Bastion and Transistor and such like that. Uh, the reviews so far have been very positive on this game, and Sean, I believe you are positive on this game. I am a thousand percent positive on this game, so um. It- I will preface it is a roguelike. Um, so if you're not into roguelikes, this probably isn't a game for you. But it is a roguelike with a story, which is kind of different because most of the roguelikes have like a very vague thing. Like even Dead Cells from 2017, which I loved, but there wasn't really a story with any of that stuff. And this actually does have one. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty cool. You're the son of Hades trying to escape the underworld because you find out some stuff and you get to meet the other gods and uh, it's just really interesting how they do a lot of stuff. Like, so one of the things is depending on how far you get determines your bosses the next time you play. Hmm. So the first boss is one of the uh, Fury sisters, uh, or sorry, the sisters of fate. I'm not, I'm thinking something else now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like you face her a bunch of times. Well, then I finally beat her, moved on to the next one when I died. And then next thing you know, I meet a new one. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I beat her. Then I beat the second boss and I die on the third, which I can't get past the third boss yet. But like, then I meet another sister. So I go look up like just to see what's going on. It says your bosses and some of the bosses that you play will perform differently depending on how you did the last playthrough that you had. Hmm. So that's That's pretty cool. Very. Yeah, it's very new to me that that's some that's a game mechanic. I really like that in a roguelike. That it's something that's, yes, it's familiar, very Dead Cells, Rogue Legacy-ish, but they're putting their own spin on it just as Supergiant normally does in these types of games. So I I can't give this any more recommendation. Honestly, right now, it is in my top three for Game of the Year. I've already put about 20 hours into it. Um, I hope people bought it the first week because it was on sale for $10 off, so now it's 30 but before it was 20 Oh, wow. Um, But I can't say enough good things about this game. Yeah. No, go ahead, sir. No, 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 I was just gonna say I will probably check this out if it comes to Game Pass or something, but otherwise I roguelites aren't my t- cup of tea, so to speak. But Roro, go ahead. No, I was I was saying that it does look really good, and I've seen a lot of people talk about how great it is. The gameplay looks super fun and the types of weapons you can get to and there's a build system that you can make your character even stronger. And as Sean was saying, like your runs matter a little bit more than most uh, roguelikes because there's abilities that carry over and a lot that a lot of roguelikes you have to start fresh, but in this one, there's still some abilities that you can continue with, which I think is really cool. But I do have a question. Should I yeah. get Hades or Ori first? Oh, shit. oh Ori. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Ori. Ori, so... Fuck. 
Because <laughs> they both look really good. Uh, you, uh, I'm gonna have to go with Ori. Ori, okay. No, only because like we've been talking about it for months that I want you to play it like yeah. so much. Hades is gonna be something you can continuously play. Um, Ori is like just an experience in and of itself. Okay, gotcha, yes. gotcha. Yes, thank All you, right. Sean. That is the correct answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Daniel approves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, uh, we have another blind spot for me, guys. Monster Hunter. I know nothing about Monster Hunter, but here we go. Two Monster Hunter games were announced for Nintendo Switch. First one, Monster Hunter Rise, was announced coming March 26th. And then there's a second one, Monster Hunter Stories 2, uh, which is the sequel to Stories 1, <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, uh, Wings of Ruin, which is announced coming tw- uh, summer 2021. Um, Monster Hunter, does that do it for you guys? I I never even... I dabbled in Monster Hunter World on uh, on Xbox One, and it's not, not, it's not really my cup of tea. I, I don't know. Still in Game Pass, if I remember correctly. Yes, yep. But I don't know what it is about Monster Hunter games. It's just I've never really been interested. World was the one that I was most interested in, but it, it just never, I don't know, captured my attention. I don't know. Um, uh, you're not alone. I, my, my first experience with Monster Hunter was actually World as well. I got pretty deep into it. I enjoyed my time. I definitely fell off eventually. I, I never actually finished the story, but I did get really deep into it, hunting monsters and stuff like that. And it was fun. And I think Monster Hunter Rise is taking a lot from World and bringing it over to the Switch. And Monster Hunter Stories is more... I think the first one was on the 3DS, so it's kind of a sequel to, to that. So it's it's a little bit different, but obviously hunting monsters, how different can it be? Yeah. But yeah, it looks they both look good and I know fans have been wanting a Monster Hunter on a Nintendo console. Obviously the Switch is the only one right now. But uh yeah, I'm sure fans were fans were super hyped to to see that at least Monster Hunter Rise is coming. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I'm with you guys. Actually the I played the first Monster Hunter on the PS2. Um and I was like this is not for me. <laughs> At that point, I don't know. It was just it wasn't what I was thinking in my mind with reading those magazine articles and EGM and stuff like that, uh, what it was going to be. So I've never gone back into it. Um, cool for fans, though. I know World was a huge seller for Capcom and just that franchise. It really broke through in the West, yeah. uh, finally, where it's primarily just like a Japanese game. Um, I again, Where's Pokemon Snap talk? Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. all I want. Like, stop. I don't care about Monster Hunter. Give me Pokemon Snap, man. Give me Breath of the Wild 2, please. Thank We're you. waiting on that. That yeah. that I can wait on. With new consoles on the way, I can wait now. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, moving on, Disgaea 6 Defiance of Destiny has been announced exclusively on Nintendo Switch, as Sean told me before the show started, uh, coming summer of 2021. Uh, so I guess this game was uh, apparently only on PlayStation before, Sean. I it's been primarily a PlayStation franchise. I think it's come to other platforms, oh. but it always is on a PlayStation platform first. Ooh. So it's kind of funny that six is not. I've only ever played the second one um, mm. on the PS2. Uh, it wasn't something that it wasn't my type of JRPG. Um, I know Damon Hatfield from IGN like loves this series on Godly so much um it's just not one that i've ever gotten into personally but more 
games for the Switch, the better. Especially games that are, if it's exclusive, that means there had to be some sort of, like, my guess is some funding. Just like Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, we got that for the Switch and no other consoles. So, if gamers still get games, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a similar boat as well. I, I, I again, heard that a lot of people love this game. As Sean was saying, Damien Highfield is a big fan of it. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter freaking out and... I, I always see this Disgaea series on lists when I'm searching up best Japanese games, best JRPGs, best strategy games. I always see a, one of these games on the list, so I know it's good. I don't think it's something that speaks to my taste, but I know it's a it's a series that many adore. So for sure. Uh, <laughs> moving on to the last uh, Switch thing I had here from their event, uh, Sniper Elite Four is coming holiday 2020 to Switch, uh, which I think is. Uh, I think it's a decent third-party gift for them. Uh, the Sniper Elite series is actually it's actually a pretty decent series. Um, it's never like set the world on fire or anything, but I think uh, the mechanics of the game is super interesting. Like where you uh, basically zoom into your shots and and the, you follow the bullet trail all the way to your target. And I just think the whole aesthetic of the game is super interesting. Uh, I think one of them, I don't know if it's four or three. I can't remember, but one of them was like it had Hitler as like a, a special character you could kill, which is funny that you know that's that's a character that you have to be excited to shoot but that's awesome that you shoot hitler in the face you know i don't know (laughs) but uh yeah uh i think that's a decent third party get for him uh the game's a few years old at this point but i don't know what else are people expecting on the switch i guess from third parties is is my question Um, isn't that kind of like a good like a little semi-topic it's just like next gen is for lack of better terms, it's here. Mm-hmm. Like, now what for the Switch? We know about the rumored pro model type thing, so that might help, but, like, yeah. it's almost going to be a generation and a half behind as far as graphic mm-hmm. fidelity and power. So, yep. I mean, you can keep up these ports, and they're amazing artistic games, which I agree. A lot of developers take full advantage of what the Switch has to offer and offer us different experience, but, like, these ports... I I don't know how much longer you can go on with that and being making that sustainable. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Roro, I, I think you may agree with this, but I think Nintendo's biggest strength has always been their first party studios and not necessarily the technology side of their, of their business. They don't really care about the highest fidelity uh, platform or anything like that, but they care about great games. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, th- I feel like the people who are playing on the Switch know what they are getting with it. And I don't think a lot of people are, are holding their breath for more ports and third-party stuff like that. Not that that's what you guys are saying, but I, yeah, I feel like the people of the Switch are, know what they're getting into. And it is the first-party stuff. And I feel like that's enough to keep it going, as we saw with Animal Crossing and all the amazing, not a lot of games that came out this year, but it kept, Switch was one of the best sellers yeah, this year in terms of consoles and stuff like that, and without I think it actually is the games. best seller. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it is the best seller this year. You still can't get any switches whatsoever yeah. at this point. I mean, hell, uh, there was a stat that Amazon saw uh, like a 75 percent increase for Xbox One X uh, sales uh, during the pre-order yeah, cycle of Xbox. So it's yeah. just you you can't see that from Switch because you can't find it. So I mean, yeah. uh, you bring up a good point because technically Ori is considered an indie game. 
Hades is considered an indie game, and these are very recent games that I'm playing, and if that's what they have to offer is indie experiences, all right, that's basically what this I my Switch boils down to, and I am fine with that because all these games that I'm playing, I'm I'm loving. Yeah. yeah. Minus carry on not having a map. Screw that. <laughs> uh and what you said about the Xbox One X, that I th- I find that super fascinating. And there was some people on Twitter that were saying, uh, I don't know where this report came from, but somebody said that uh, that that you know that problem could have came from people using bots to pre-order Xbox Series X and kind of mislabeling those uh, tags or whatever. However, the bots go out and grab consoles right away. So some people are thinking that that might be bots that grabbed the Xbox One X instead of the Series X, which I think is hilarious if that happens because all those you know people that set up those bots just got a whole bunch of Xbox One Xs. Uh, I don't know. I th- Microsoft, that's one thing Microsoft, I think, did a really good job with was limits because you could only get one per per uh, retailer. So if you go to Microsoft Store, you could only get one tied to your account. You If you go to Target, you could only get one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there were some people that were reporting that they were able to get multiple PS5s from one retailer, which I was like, how are you getting multiple? Because I can't even get one. Uh, but that was before I got my three. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Super interesting. Uh, moving on to Xbox, Xbox Series X test units have begun going out to press. I've seen IGN tweet about this. Uh, Ryan McCaffrey uh, tweeted that he got an actual Series X uh, early early build, so to speak. It's, it's uh, supposed to have all the internals and everything like that, but it's not completely finalized yet. Uh, and I guess they're going to have previews up for that soon because I've seen a lot of press talking about it. So I'm very interested to see what games they have to show for that. Uh, I'm assuming that Microsoft is giving them some kind of next-gen games to to test out on the console and give their impressions on. Um, so is, is there one game that you guys would like to see uh, shown off or, or from like an IGN or someone like that uh, actually playing with the hardware? Halo Infinite. Sean, Halo Infinite <laughs> is delayed to next year. Oh, <laughs> my not... bad, my bad, my bad. Oh, <laughs> I forgot, sorry. I hate you. <laughs> Remind me of that. Gosh. Um, to be honest, just Assassin's Creed. And I only say that because, again, I feel like we still have yet to see that much gameplay. I know we have seen it, but I just want to keep seeing more and more. I did get it for my PlayStation uh, as far as the pre-order. But if I have the opportunity to see more of that game, the better. Yeah. Roro, is there anything? I know you're not getting a next-gen console yeah. at launch, but, but is there anything you want to see? Um, the two games that I want to see, I want to see more uh, Cyberpunk, obviously. I think we are getting a good amount, though, yes. with all their Nightwire uh, YouTube videos and live streams that they're doing. So we're getting a good amount of stuff. I would like to see how amazing it will look on on a console instead of a PC, which I'm sure is what they're showing us. So it would be cool to see how they run on consoles and how beautiful it looks there. Um, and Watch Dogs. So I'm kind of in the Ubisoft boat as well. I want to see more Watch Dogs Legion gameplay because I like Watch Dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree. Oh, I totally forgot. Daniel, yeah. my number one Xbox game. Yeah. Ascent. Oh, geez. Yeah, here we go on <laughs> the Ascent hype oh, train dude, I'm again. I'm high on that game. 
Yeah, here we go again on the scent. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Cyberpunk as well, Roro. I have to agree with you there. Uh, I watched the the event, uh, Night Night City Wire event on Friday last week, and uh, it's more goodness. It was only like 15 or 20 minutes long, but oh, it's just so good every time they show it. They, I think they yeah. showed the gangs and uh, the gangs, like the yeah. world building. Yeah. Super, super yeah. cool. The way they talked about how the the streets and this work, and like how there's sewers and how it all connects, it, it's so exciting. So good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to more Xbox news, guys. Xbox Game Pass subscriptions have jumped fifty percent in less than six months to over fifteen million subscribers. Pretty significant numbers for Game Pass. Uh, it's still in the early goings. It's crazy to think about that. That. Game Pass is still relatively new, um, uh, only like a year and a half, two years old at this point, and they have 15 million subscribers. That's a lot of subscribers. Like, you think of the Game Pass subscribers, there's 10, uh, $10 a month Game Pass subscriptions, or there's $15 a month for all access. So you think of like the deals and stuff like that, you kind of average it out. If the people are roughly paying $10 a month, uh, times 15 million subscribers. That is a lot of money. I did the math. $1.8 billion per year that they make on Game Pass with the 15 million that they have right now. That's insane. Uh, so, yeah, I I thought that was very interesting. And I kind of want to tie it into the next story we have here because I think they fit very much hand in hand and we can kind of discuss this. But... The next story we have, Sony says it won't put new first-party games on a subscription-based service like Game Pass because it's not sustainable. The interesting thing I think about here is, like, if it's not sustainable, I don't see how Microsoft would continue to do it. And the fact that, like, $1.8 billion is a lot of money, and yes, you aren't getting 100% of those Game Pass subscribers that are buying the game uh, also, but many times people do buy the games from Game Pass as well because you get discounts from it, and that essentially means you own it. Uh, when you play in Game Pass, you're just essentially renting it, um, and first-party games are there for the life of the subscription, but you you may not necessarily want Game Pass or whatever. Whatever the reason, people do buy games in Game Pass as well. I think it's interesting that Sony says it's not sustainable because regardless, there's a lot of fanboys out there that say, hey, uh, Microsoft is, Microsoft's exclusives aren't on the level of Sony's and it's nowhere they're nowhere near as good and all this stuff. But I'm not going to argue about that in, in terms of quality uh, of, of God of War versus you know Gears of War 4 or something. I'm not going to argue the quality there, but you have to look at the cost. And the cost to develop games doesn't really change across developers. You have, if let's just say you have 300 people working on God of War and 300 people working on Gears of War, the cost doesn't change. You're still paying those employees to work, whether it's you know the highest quality caliber game possible or not. So I, I do think it's interesting that they say it's not sustainable. Um, I'm just I'm curious what your guys' takes are on this. Um, Ro, Ro, I'll start with start with you. Um, I think it's interesting that that's their mindset, but I do kind of understand where they're coming from 
it, with this situation, because as you're saying, with um, with not being sustainable, I, I I think PlayStation just thinks that oh, we'll make more money by not putting it on the subscription uh, service, which I think in their mind makes sense, and I and it and it does to an extent, but I don't know. There's such a, a weird one for me to to think of of who's quote unquote right in this situation, because I, I do understand from both perspectives why Xbox is doing it, why Sony decides that they don't want to do it. But I don't know. I, 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 I sort of agree with PlayStation because I feel like they are going to, in the end, make more money just people buying their games outright instead of them maybe paying a certain amount a month to just hold them. You know, people are still buying Last of Us. People are still buying Spider-Man to this day and yeah. instead of at the full price and or at a sale price. But um, yeah, it's an interesting one that I, I also don't take everything that Sony says to heart because I feel like they could switch on a dime yeah. as they did with the Spider-Man stuff and other games that are coming to the PS4. They said that's not going to happen. It's happening. Yep. So I feel like they'll just do whatever they think will make them more money. And in the end, I feel like this is what they think will make them more money right now until they decide, oh, maybe we should do a Game Pass subscription sort of model. True. And they kind of took a first step towards that anyways. Yeah. 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 With that, that we talked about last week, you know, we're getting all of those, uh, not all of them, but a lot of the big first party PS4 games right at launch for PS5 for free. So I don't know. And that's not even a sub, that's just included with PS Plus, right? Yeah, yeah, I yes, uh, that is true. Uh, another thing that I saw was that they also said ninety nine percent of PlayStation games are going to be playable on PS five. I don't know what that one percent is, but I think that means if I own a certain game on PS four, I could download it from the store and and play it. Yes. I don't, yeah. Backwards. So I feel like yeah, they kind of are already doing it in a weird way. You're not. There's no subscription, but the games that you have right now, you're still bringing them over, and yes, you'll be able to play them. But yeah, games yeah, that I, you already own. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sean, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I kind of feel like it's kind of like how they're both approaching this next generation. I think they're either both right or they're both wrong. I, I don't think there's necessarily a right way or or a wrong way to view it i mean i'll I'll bring it to like the backwards compatibility conversation that came up this week because playstation announced or sony announced that it's not going to be backwards compatible with three two and one i don't think that's a mistake i know xbox and possibly xbox xbox fanboys do but we've never seen the statistics when it comes to backwards compatibility we don't know how often people actually use that yeah um game pass that's awesome that they have 15 million uh, subscribers in total and how many people they've accrued. But at the same time, we're also going through a very unprecedented time across the world where a lot of your stuff has to be consumed digitally because you can't go to the store to purchase a game. So people are probably finding the value in that. So once things are back to normal, do people cancel their game pass that were using it before? I mean, We'll never know. Microsoft is infamous for not sharing numbers until they view it as a giant success, which I'm glad they did share this number. Um, it's just, it's hard to tell who's going to be right in this. And that's why in my mind, I feel like both are right. Both are just yeah. taking a completely different approach. Sony, I guess you could say more traditional 
Um, but Xbox is trying new things. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying new things. Yeah. Xbox refused to be a part of the micro, the VR trend. That was their choice. Sony decided to go with it with their own unit, sold extremely well for what they were doing. Xbox still doesn't want to do it. So it's, I don't know. I don't have a problem with either one kind of doing their own thing. They need to differentiate it from each other. They have so much internally that is the same exact thing. So they have to differentiate in the market somehow. Yeah. I I think the biggest thing for backwards compatibility for me has always been game preservation, just making sure those games are able to be played, you know, 10, 12, 15, whatever years in the future. Uh, And I think that is important to a certain extent. And like Roro said, things could change easily. Right now they're saying PS1, 2, and 3 games aren't, aren't going to work on PS5, but that can also change because Microsoft said the same thing for Xbox One. They said that no games were going to be backwards compatible, and now look, we have every generation of Xbox that's backwards compatible. So things, things could definitely change. Uh, moving on guys, there is a rumor out there that Metal Gear Solid is getting a full remake and it's a PlayStation 5 console exclusive. Uh, if there's one game that I would like to see a full remake done for, uh, for PlayStation's back catalog, this would probably be it. Cause I've never played the early Metal Gear games and I, I would be down for this. The only problem is who never played solid the only problem is who is making this because if konami is involved whatsoever i am not sure that i'm gonna be down blue for this. point blue point blue point let them do it let them do it yeah that would be good <laughs> they do an amazing job with remakes specifically sony remakes too they did shadow of colossus a few years ago let them let them do it i know they're trying to do i think their new their own ip but still, let them do it. Let them handle it. Um, I It'll be interesting. That game does not age well in today's world, just for the record. Because <laughs> um, let's not forget that was made in the 90s. Um, or sorry, yeah. Yeah, 90s. It was on the PS1. So that'll be interesting. But still a fan. It was one of the first games that I could tell you verbatim the story and tell you that I don't understand a damn thing that happened in that story too, <laughs> because it went nine ways sideways and it just got worse from there. The The remake is coming to PS... Well, if it is true, it is coming to PS5, but I think it is also rumored to be coming to uh, PC as well. So it won't be Ooh. exclusive to PS5. If these rumors are true, obviously, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did hear that it could also come to, to PC. Nice. That, just like demon souls apparently yeah yeah but demon souls did they take that down the pc thing is that coming I think to pc so. they i think did. they said it was a mistake oh. yeah okay. which makes sense they're not trying they're trying to make you say think hey you want this console now you don't want to wait for it on pc type thing right. i get that marketing yeah for sure uh guys the game awards are not canceled in this covid world the game award awards are coming december 10th in three different countries jeff Keeley's doing it crazy he's going all over the place uh <laughs> i'm excited for this just because last year finally jeff start, stopped hyping it up so freaking much that he couldn't fulfill anything uh, and they actually had a huge reveal last year of Xbox Series X, the actual console being shown off. So I'm interested to see what he has this year, guys. 
Game Awards are always a fun time for me. I love watching them and seeing who's going to win and obviously the announcements and the trailers. I love the how the graphic design for this year, like so bold, red and the red and black. I love the posters that are being shown on Twitter right now. But yeah, super excited to see who's going to win Game of the Year this year. Very exciting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it technically has time for Cyberpunk yeah. um, to come out and maybe steal the show. Although um, they do have hard cutoffs, and I don't know when that's going to be this year. Uh, it's usually in November, because if you remember yeah. last year, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order got cut off. Correct. And that I think that released like two weeks before the awards itself. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, to be honest with you, besides like my personal game of the year, I don't know what's leading the charge besides probably Animal Crossing because of it being such a phenomenon. Yeah. I, I just don't see a clear-cut winner when it comes to the industry itself. It's Halo Infinite, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you told us that Halo Infinite would I be did. game of the year in 2020. I did, and that yeah. was one of my predictions we did, but yeah. clearly <laughs> that's that wrong. for you? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. That was funny. All right, final news story, guys. Former Blizzard president uh, has team. I forgot to write his name down. I I just put former Blizzard president. That's some great podcasting right there. The former pre- uh, Blizzard president has teamed up with industry veterans to launch Dreamhaven, which is a new game company, and they are launching two new studios, Moonshot Games and Secret Door. Uh, it kind of sounds like Dreamhaven is going to be like a pseudo like publisher, sort of, so to speak. Um, so I'm interested just to see like former blizzard people. Blizzard is a company that has done some great things in this industry. So I'm excited for that. Uh, and I know there's a lot of former blizzard lead, uh, lead people that are actually joining these two new studios as well. So I'm very interested in this news. Roro. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I, it's very similar to, well, not exactly similar because Bungie was already a thing. Yeah. Uh, but like how people are kind of trying to move away from Activision and start their own thing. Um, I know Activision has had their hands in Blizzard and Bungie yes. and them kind of trying to stay a step back and just do things their way. Um, so I think that's awesome. I'm very excited to see what this uh, studio has to offer. I hope they can deliver something good and continue their path and don't see any problems with, yeah. you know, it's it's a big Big thing starting your own studio, and obviously that comes with good things and bad things. So I hope it it's mostly good. Uh, but another thing with that, just to add on to that, another studio, Future Club, kind of popped up recently as well, which were former Skullgirls developers. Oh. I don't know if you guys know that game, but there was some kind of not-so-great stuff happening at the studio there, and they decided they're going to leave and start their own studio too. So I think this is, is cool that, that people are deciding that we want to make games, but not with these kind of trashy people. Yeah. So there's, it's cool that, they're, that more of this is happening. Yeah, and sure. at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're the ones who are winning with all these new games. For sure. And I think the talent always, the talent will go where they can do what they want. They don't want to be told what to do or like be forced into you know, avenues that these bigger companies want them to do. Like, that's not what those people want to do. They want to do their own thing. So that's always good to see, for sure. Uh, All right, guys. Uh, moving- hey, real quick, Daniel, you yeah. know what you made me think of 
and actually I think it was Roro that said it about Bungie. Yeah. Did you hear that V1, that spinoff of that Bungie founder? Marcus uh, Slade Disintegration. Is. Yeah, yeah, Disintegration already is ending its multiplayer I did after three months. See, yeah, I did see that. It's kind of, it's unfortunate. It was expected just because the gameplay, it was all right. Um, I played the alpha of it. and Yeah, the alpha made me sick when I was watching you play. Yeah, it was a, it was just an all right game. And the, the problem is, is you need games that are just, you know, so revolutionary and costly that a smaller studio like that, it's hard for him to break in. I love Marcus Leto. I follow him on Twitter. He's a great guy. Uh, I would love to see him, you know, uh I don't know, come back to a big franchise and, and show what he's made out of. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, disintegration isn't doing so well for them, unfortunately. So moving on into the games we are playing, guys. Uh, I am still playing Outer Worlds Peril on Gorgon DLC. I am very much enjoying it. Uh, I love the the story of this DLC. It's very, very different than the mainline uh, of of outer worlds uh my game of the year last year uh roro you gotta play that too uh <laughs> but uh yes very much enjoying more of that and as we'll talk about here in a little bit i i have a lot of excitement about something else related to obsidian that needs to happen uh <laughs> But uh, I also played the Black Ops Cold War Alpha, which is on was on PS4 last weekend, and very much enjoyed it. It was solid. Um, it's obviously more Call of Duty, so uh, I don't really... The multiplayer doesn't usually grab me as much as the single player. I like to play the single player, and then I like to play their zombies modes as well in co-op. Uh, so multiplayer for Call of Duty doesn't always grab me anymore, but it's it's a solid entry for sure. Uh, I'm definitely surprised at the quality that they've put into this game in just two years. That's that's for sure. Roro, what games are you playing? Uh, right now, I am playing two games I'll start off with. Uh, the Mario 30th Anniversary Collection with 64 Sunshine and Galaxy. Um, I'm, right now, I'm playing Sunshine, having a great time with that. That's a game that I loved when I was a kid, and I never was able to finish it because I was a stupid kid. <laughs> but now I'm smarter. I wouldn't say smart, but I'm smarter than I was when I was a kid. And I'm able to, <laughs> play, to beat these levels a little bit easier and just see what I honestly didn't see when I was a kid, even though I had such fond memories of it. I'm starting to see it more, see more of uh, the world, and I'm really enjoying it. There's definitely a couple of things that are didn't age too well. The controls are a little wonky sometimes. The camera is a little wonky that sometimes. That camera. Ooh, ooh, buddy. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> but uh, all in all, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it for the most part. Um, I'm excited to try out Galaxy again. I really love that. But 64 is definitely something that I should jump into because I never... I played it on the DS, the Mario 64 DS that came out, obviously, in the DS area. But I have heard that's not the best way to play it. Yeah. I wouldn't know the difference, but that's how I played Mario 64. But I got to try it on on this uh, on the Switch. But uh, besides that, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima, which I talked about with Sean a little bit before the show started. And it's really good. It's it's really good. It just made my heart flutter. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. And I'm enjoying it. It's it's definitely the story is really cool. It, it I, I hate when people say this when they're doing reviews, but it makes you feel like a samurai, you know? It really does. <laughs> and it all the the 
the the options with the how you can make it look like an old samurai movie. I've definitely done that. I, it's it's so cool, just the different options that you have as well, and how you can uh, customize him to make him look like a decked out samurai or just like a traveler. I really love that kind of customization as well. Um, but as me and Sean were talking, like. Each of the side missions, a lot of games don't do this very well where the side missions just feel like kind of tacked on, but it, it feels like it's just part of the, the story. It just, it's all so good. So I'm really enjoying it and definitely gonna hopefully complete it very soon. Nice. Yeah. Sean? Um, well, I've already talked about two of the games that I was playing. I took a break from Ghosts. Um, but I don't have too much to add on top of Roro's. Um, I do have the Mario collection as well, um, Sunshine. Uh, but my niece decided she wanted to play, and that didn't turn out too, too well. Um, but I, it is, it actually, graphically, it doesn't look all that bad, to be honest with you, for really just an up-res, more or less. But mm. that camera got me stuck already in the first world, and I was just like, oh my god, <laughs> get this out of here. Um... <laughs> But that's what we used to have to deal with back in the day. But mm-hmm. once I get Ori done and a little bit further into Hades, I, I think I'm going to continue to play that as it goes by. Sweet. Uh, I will get back to Ghost of Tsushima someday, guys. <laughs> I haven't come back since I've played two hours of it. Uh, I'm so ashamed. And so uh, look, we both bought it after you, and yeah. we were both way further than you. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm terrible, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's why I'm not called the pride of PlayStation or the Nintendo <laughs> aficionado. <laughs> so moving on to the topic of the show, guys. Microsoft has purchased ZeniMax Media for a cool $7.5 billion. My gosh, that's a lot of money. Uh, so ZeniMax Media essentially it, it includes uh, Bethesda uh, Publishing and all of their studios, including ID Software, Bethesda Game Studios, Tango GameWorks, Machine Games, Arcane, ZeniMax Online, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios, as well as all of their IP as well. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but Alpha Dog—that's the best studio acquisition out of all of these. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, guys. Jeez. It's the one I actually was excited for, so that's yeah. really rude. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, th- this was absolutely insane news that I did not expect to get on a freaking Monday morning. And could I just say the timing of this is very interesting. The day before pre-orders go live, they announced this acquisition is happening. Uh, the actual acquisition, I don't think, is happening till like the first part of next year, like when it gets finalized and everything. But they actually decided to announce it the day before pre-orders went live. I think that was very per- purposeful on Microsoft's behalf. Uh, it's no secret that we're waiting to see some kind of exclusive that is, you know, worth buying the Series X for. Uh, obviously, there's people buying Series X for other reasons, but there is a, a problem of no big exclusive on launch day or even in the near future after that. So this, I think, continues Phil's you know mission from 2018 when he started with those five studios he purchased and announced at E3, and then he went and got uh, Double Fine. Well, that was later, but they, he also got Obsidian and uh, In Exile. He has bought 
adding all of those up, eight plus these, what, seven or eight, there are now 23 Xbox Studios uh, um, developers. That is absolutely insane. Like, I I don't even know 23 studios. I don't even... What were your guys' reactions, instant reactions to this? So real quick, just to respond to your thing, that's cool. It just can't, they can't do crackdown repeats. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. The, all the, the, that's awesome that I think they did this. Yeah. Um, that is my immediate reaction. Um, that like, as far as, and, and I do think that they didn't do this just for Bethesda. Yeah. I think they did this for Zenimax. I just think Bethesda was kind of, because this is Microsoft. This was not Xbox. Correct. Um, even though it is Phil Spencer talking about this, Microsoft, daddy signed the check, basically. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> Satya Nadella. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's no secret that they have benefits with that stuff. But I, I just caution uh, because of that's a lot of studios. Yeah. Sony used to have a lot of studios as well. And look what happened it didn't turn out A's after A's after A's. It started getting a little monotonous with some games. So that, that would be my only caution is I think Sony learned from their mistake uh, with too many studios. Cause at one time I think they had like 21 uh, studios and I think they're down to like 14. So it's like be just be a little cautious when it comes to that many studios in one house. Yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, I was pretty shocked when I when I saw it. And as you were saying, with the exclusives sort of deal, like this is a, a pretty good reason to, if you're a PlayStation uh, person, to to have both. If you if you are into these games, which they are a plenty, when they get into it, when you're looking at all the studios listed here, there's a there's a lot of games that fall underneath uh, Bethesda Studios. So it's it's pretty cool that they that they're able to get this apparently worth more than Star Wars to Disney, yeah. which is seven point five. That's insane. That that's how much it's that Game Pass money, I guess. But jeez, yeah. um, <laughs> um But yeah, I was I was shocked to to see this. I was it was cool. I thought it was a really cool get for for them. And as we, I think we're going to talk about this later, but there's games that are coming that yes. aren't coming to xbox but yeah belong to xbox now it's it's interesting to see how this is all gonna work out yes uh and we can actually we can jump right into that and the two games you're referring to ghostwire tokyo coming from uh tango gameworks and Deathloop coming from arcane both of those are timed ps5 exclusives so microsoft is releasing two ps5 timed exclusives next year like what what world are we living in <laughs> One of which I like. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I do not, I don't, that Tokyo does not look to me like a good game. But yeah. Deathloop, yeah, 100%. Deathloop looked really interesting and cool, um, even if it was delayed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's odd, but there is precedence for it, especially when it comes to Microsoft with its Minecraft. Yeah. Um, true to their word, they have never once dropped support for. Not just any consoles, yeah. uh, but any platforms it's been on. Now, maybe with Apple, maybe eventually here soon because <laughs> of some Apple stuff. But um, yeah, they, they have kept supporting that. So that makes this deal super interesting. There was actually an article that came out, too, with Todd Howard and um, uh, Phil Spencer talking about they're going to kind of run independently, 
but yes. not like it's a, it's a co-independence type thing. So where mm-hmm. case by case basis, certain games will be uh, published on other platforms. Yes. It'll just be interesting. But I do have a prediction and I need to say right now, Doom is now a console or an Xbox exclusive. There's a hundred percent that's going to happen. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and like you were saying, Obsidian, they bought Obsidian in the middle of Outer Worlds, you know, uh, finishing development and Outer Worlds came to all platforms as well. Uh, that was published by uh, Private Division, which is take two essentially. But uh, yeah, they're, they're not going to just say, oh, PS5 owners, you're not getting these games anymore. That would be really crappy. Uh, yeah, Roro, what do you? What were your thoughts? No, I just think this is like as both of you were saying. Like, it's really it's interesting to see what yeah. this is going to turn out to be. Whether Doom is going to be a console exclusive, as Sean predicts, I, which is very, it's possible, yeah. <laughs> for sure. With yeah, um, but I remember when Xbox released Cuphead on the Switch, and and now with Ori, it's like they really are about play anywhere and does that mean playstation somewhere down the line i yeah. i don't know if that's any time soon but it's really interesting to see how this as as you were saying daniel co-independence they're kind of doing this independently if they really do get to put their games where they want and just yeah. preference to to microsoft and i don't know it's it's really interesting this 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 deal in particular well what makes me, yeah well, i was gonna say what makes me think of the doom thing is because and daniel you might remember this Doom 3 was an Xbox OG original. Uh, Or sorry, it was an exclusive. Like, you could only get that on the OG Xbox when it was uh, released. Yeah. So there is, again, precedence for Doom being only on an Xbox console. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling that would be like a marketing twist. And it's no secret, Doom Eternal sold very well this uh, past March, um, even with COVID and everything like that. So that, of all the franchises that I see them bringing in and being strictly Xbox, that's what I feel like will essentially go back into their wheelhouse. Well, and and there's other games from Bethesda that were similar as well. Morrowind uh, was an OG Xbox exclusive as well, uh, and Oblivion was an exclusive for a time because 360 had a year head start on PS3 and Wii, uh, and I think they released Oblivion much later to the PS3, but. Uh, those games were exclusive as well, which makes that, that kind of leads me into my my thing. I think eventually, I think all of Bethesda's games will only be in Xbox's ecosystem, which means Xbox uh, consoles, PC, and xCloud. I don't think that Microsoft would buy Bethesda for, or not just Bethesda, but Zenimax for $7.5 billion just to say, hey, let's release our games on PlayStation as well. Because yeah. yeah, you're not bringing people to your to your service. It's it's not that they want people to come to their console. They want people to come to their service. They want people to come to Game Pass. And couldn't the same thing been said though for Minecraft? Yeah, but Minecraft, Minecraft Biggest is game on the planet. Minecraft is yes. Minecraft is a very specific uh, situation because it's literally the biggest game ever created. It's hundreds of millions of people play Minecraft. So having Minecraft exclusive would just hurt Microsoft more than it would help them. That's why I don't think my Minecraft and Minecraft was already a released uh, platform. It was already out. So taking things away is much harder than just not releasing them there anymore. Tell uh, that to Sony and PT. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I think I think we will start to see. I think obviously those PS5 exclusives are coming next year. I think we will still see some games, upcoming games like Starfield and some other games still come to PlayStation. But I think we will slowly see the transition of Bethesda games to be Xbox exclusives. And when I say Xbox, I mean their ecosystem. So PC, Xbox, xCloud, as I said. But uh, I think it's only a matter of time. And I do think Elder Scrolls Six will be exclusive to Xbox because Morrowind, as I said, Morrowind and Oblivion were both exclusives at the time. They've always had a tight partnership there with Todd Howard and his team. And I feel like Elder Scrolls Six would be the perfect time to do that because I think Starfield is a fall 2021 game and that would be too soon in my eyes uh, to, to release exclusively. So I think Todd Howard's team will make a Starfield. That will be the last PlayStation exclu- or PlayStation game that uh, people can play from Todd Howard's team, in my opinion. Um, but what, what are your opinions wrong? What do you guys think? What do you guys think uh, about that? What do you think is going to happen? Uh, it, it's just right now, it's so hard for me to imagine a world where those games don't also come to PlayStation, but obviously all of that is thrown out the window when someone on the competition owns it. So I can see it happening, but it's just so hard for me to imagine like it's the next Skyrim not coming to PlayStation. But it, as you, as you're explaining that Bethesda and Xbox do have history and they've been exclusive games there. So it, it does kind of. It makes sense, but it's just so hard for me to imagine that right now, where we are right now, but so much changes, so it's it's definitely possible. Well, and that's yeah. where I have a little tough time, Daniel, with uh, yours, because while Morrowind and the other one, Oblivion. I don't know, I'm not a Skyrim guy, or <laughs> Elder Scrolls, but see, they're, they're right there is the example of what has changed. I, no one ever refers to as Elder Scrolls Skyrim, they just call it Skyrim now. Like that, that's literally the name. And it is one of the best selling, it is the best selling game, probably. Um, definitely of Bethesda's main studio. I mean, how many times has that been ported? Even the freaking Switch. There's a PSVR version of Skyrim. Yeah. So, I mean, it is uh, no quantity for that. So, it just makes me think of all games that will still come to PlayStation because that is a moneymaker, even if they publish it on another console. Yeah. I just think that would be a big driver to get people to come to Game Pass and to subscribe to Game Pass. Like if you could say Elder Scrolls Six available day one Game Pass, which it it, it will be, uh, but it's only available on Xbox. I think that would sell a lot of people to come to that platform for that. Now you just said something. Sorry, go ahead, Roro. No, I, I yeah, I just think that you'd have to give Bethesda another seven point five billion to do that. oh i just like when daniel you just said that game pass there is a system seller right there that you get the new elder scrolls game right then and there with your game pass on your xbox yeah that right there is a seller which is true that is true but if somebody has a ps5 already will that convince them so to speak to to not play it on ps5 and go buy an xbox and play it well let's not forget though as announced during the playstation conference last week ps5 games are 70 bucks third party games are 70 bucks yeah that is a first party game that used to be a third party that's essentially 14.99 yeah or 9.99 i guess if you go with the other version yeah so i mean that's uh, that's a pretty big money saver especially with how truly expensive these consoles are yeah fair um 
one other aspect of this deal that I kind of wanted to highlight, the ZeniMax has this uh, project called Orion that I feel like could be could have been a big part of the deal as well. They showed it at E3 last year. Um, it's basically like a low latency cloud streaming platform. I don't know if you guys remember this at Bethesda Showcase last year, but they showed Doom, uh, Doom 2016 running in 4K 60 frames per second over the cloud with very like no latency at all like and that's a big deal because like even xcloud right now like there is latency like there's latency that you would notice like you can't play doom 2016 it would be too difficult to do something like that a, a twitchy shooter uh on xcloud but for them to have this technology if that actually works as they advertised last year that could actually be a big piece to Microsoft's plan to kind of help 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 bolster xCloud into being something that's more impressive. Um, I don't know. That that's just me speculating. Do you guys do you guys think that that would be kind of a factor at all, or just kind of a side note? Uh, I mean, it could be. I mean. It didn't work out as well as they were hoping, but look at PlayStation's acquisition of, oh crap, what what who they get that now became PlayStation Now? I can't remember the name. Uh, Gaikai, 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 yeah. yeah. So it yeah. could be like that that that's what they were going for in the end, and it just happened to be, hey, we get all these franchises because of that. Um, again, I think there was more to this deal because. Like Roro said, that is a tremendous amount of money. I'm not saying that Bethesda doesn't make money. Yeah, I don't know if they make more money than freaking Star Wars or Marvel. I, I, I have a hard time thinking that. Yeah, Roro, any thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> I got a, <laughs> I got a little distracted. Not gonna lie. Oh, you're good. You're because good. Nintendo just released a, a game just now. <laughs> What? Just what out of the they, blue. It was a. Uh, it was Kirby Fighters Two. Nothing crazy, oh. but they just literally released a game for stealth. Dropped it. It was kind of weird to me. Oh, but well, uh, yeah, sorry. No, <laughs> but no, I don't have anything to add to that. Okay, sweet. Yes. <laughs> all right, let's all go download. The, so, <laughs> yeah. So the last thing I want to say here. So Fallout New Vegas oh, Two, yeah, guys. Here's where you cry. Fallout New <laughs> Vegas 2 could actually happen now from Obsidian because they are all one family now. Make it happen. Like, oh. And and the, the thing is, Todd Howard's team is busy for the next probably 10 years. They have Starfield to finish up, and then they're working on Elder Scrolls 6. Starfield's taken them like seven years at this point. What, Fallout 4 came out in 2014. Where the heck are you at, Todd? Uh, but <laughs> Starfield uh, Fallout 76, duh. Yeah, well, that was made by their other studio that they call Bethesda Game Studios now, but isn't really Todd Howard's team. But that's a whole another story. That's yeah. yeah, I think Phil said that he actually did not, they're not taking that studio with them during the deal. Oh, really? <laughs> no, no, I'm just oh. with you. Oh, I thought you were being serious. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, 
because they that team that team made that uh 4v1 game i can't remember what the name of it is but they made that 4v1 game or were making it and then it got canceled because it didn't really look that good and that team started making fallout uh 76 and then they got rebranded as bethesda game studios uh like wherever their locations at i can't remember like texas or something and so they have that name associated with them, but they are not Bethesda Game Studios, Todd Howard's team. No. Don't even compare them, Sean. But Fallout New Vegas 2, please freaking give it to me, Phil. I need it. Can I get a oorah, everyone? Oorah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> All right. You gave in. You gave in two easy. All right. Uh, anything I didn't else? What though? I said. I said. Ru. Or the opposite. Ru. Oh, you son of a gun. All right. Do you guys have anything else to add for these great next gen consoles that we finally know everything about and feel so good to know everything about? No. Uh, question for Roro: How bad is the Canadian price for the consoles comparison yes. to the U.S.? So. Let me double check, but I'm pretty sure PS5 disc. In what is it in America for PS5? Four ninety nine hundred. Yeah, five hundred. So here it's I think it's six hundred. Wait, no, five hundred. So it's five hundred for discless or disc for disc. disc. Okay, five hundred for for uh, five hundred for discless and for disc it's six hundred and twenty nine oh, for. Wow. A hundred and thirty dollar difference, Jesus. Yeah. But what well, hundred and thirty Canadian dollar difference. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, but math and math kind of works the same when it's like <laughs> that in a sense. Yeah, what I don't know what that translates to in terms of our dollar, uh, but uh I wanna say well, the only thing I've heard is the Australian consoles, surprisingly for once, are not as expensive as everyone was oh thinking they were gonna be. Yeah. They're still more expensive, but it's not as bad as it has been in past, like PS4 and Xbox One. Is the Xbox Series X? I thought the Xbox Series X was cheaper than that. Maybe I'm crazy, but was it 629 also, Roro? Do you know? Uh, I think it is the same. Let me double check again. Okay. Uh, Canada. Because then I think the Series S is obviously, obviously the Series S is cheaper because it's cheaper. cheaper. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's much cheaper. The Xbox Series S in Canada is three seventy nine, and mm. Xbox Series X is six hundred. Oh, so it is twenty nine, yeah. whatever cheaper. Yeah. Interesting. But my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand why you don't. <laughs> yeah, not getting it yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna wait a little bit. I wanna. I just wanna go when it's like not super busy. Bring my PS4, trade up, and then maybe that'll be fine because if i go now i don't know how hectic it's obviously if i go now i'm not going to get it because it's sold out but yeah yeah i'm just going to go when i can <laughs> well both <laughs> sony and microsoft has said that do not be alarmed there will be consoles at launch like physical ones in stores right. yes it oh. just depend on if you're allowed to go into stores yeah <laughs> i mean i think that's kind of another part of the just to go back to our first topic another part of like this whole pre-order pandemic is because of the pandemic going on people want these consoles without going into a store yeah yeah agreed uh guys before we close the show uh just remember here is the t-shirt you can get if you join us in the youtube live chats wednesdays at 8 p.m so make sure you guys come check us out next week i'm gonna raffle off this 
coffee mug to whoever joins the chat i'll do it randomly so coffee mug my co-worker said oh if you do a coffee mug we'll all join into the show and, and communicate so this is a test to see if they actually come join so uh so and you're this, is, this is not rigged so <laughs> they will get entered only if they chat so what about Roro and I, since technically we're chatting? Yeah, if you want to chat in the chat, but you guys are co-hosts, so, I mean... Yeah, but, like, it's a coffee mug, bro. Oh, my gosh. Jeez <laughs> Louise. All right. Uh, thank you again to everyone joining us both live on YouTube and on podcast services everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you, Roro. Thank you, Sean. I am Daniel, and this has been Podcast PXN, and we are out. Much love and keep on gaming. See you. Deuces. <laughs>